This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio is proudly sponsored by CompleteSigns.co.uk. Complete Signs are a producer of top quality external <laughs> and external signs for an ever-expanding portfolio of clients, including hotels, schools, local authorities and small businesses across the nation. Offering a wide range of creative solutions from black metal nameplates to neon fascia signs and everything in between. Clients are offered the highest standards in consultation and sales support to ensure complete customer satisfaction. With clients free to choose solutions from a wide variety of materials, including brass, aluminium, stainless steel, wood and a number of plastics. Covering most of South England with virtual offices in Croydon, Epsom, Hawley, Worcester Park in Surrey, Crowthorne in Berkshire, Regent Street, West London, Docklands, East London and Crawley in Brighton in Sussex. So if you're looking for the complete professional service for your sign needs, then look no further than Complete Signs. Head to their website, completesigns.co.uk, for further information, including contact details and full office addresses. Live commentary. Uh, ball back with companion centre of the field. I hope he plays a long raking pass. He doesn't. <laughs> it's found Dobby. Oh, again, he's tried to... Have you got a word for those short passes? Well, I've got a word for that short pass, but um, <laughs> I better not say it. Live interviews. Yeah, I think that's where we'll be for, for the foreseeable future. You know, we're working on some interesting things there. And um, I think that we're developing, we're developing it bit by bit. It's probably going to be our best option. Expert analysis. Hello and welcome to a special Homestyle Radio mini podcast. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm salivating for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, most of the time anyway. Homestyle Radio. Hello, welcome to Homestyle Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host tonight uh, as we review a week which has seen... I just noticed my introduction was... I'm your, my name's Chris Hambling, and I'm your host, Chris Hambling. Oh, good start. Anyway, tonight we review a week. Seeing Palace, <laughs> oh, I've gone to pieces. Take another massive step towards Premier League survival with a vital away win. We have two very special guests to chat to. Assisting me today, and I'm going to need it, I have Ben Nagel. Hello. Hello. Stuart Shave. Evening, Eagles. And uh, with his opinion, and also in the contact hub, we have Alex White. Bonsoir. Bonsoir indeed, sir. 
Uh, so get in touch. Alex will be selecting your opinions for airing and discussion. Here's what's on the menu today. We'll be talking with Palace Chairman Steve Parrish about all manners of topics of the club edge, edge closer to achieving the amazing feat of staying in the Premier League. We'll review yesterday's glorious 3-0 demolition of Cardiff in their own backyard. We'll also be joined by the Wizard of the Wing, Yannick Bellassi, as he chats with us about his about the season and his career. First up, though, here's news in brief. Everybody's got a hungry mouth. Homesdale Radio is brought to you in association with CompleteSigns.co.uk for all your sign-based needs. To receive a genuine 10% discount, mention you are listening to Homesdale Radio and get in touch today. Latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. Midfielder Johnny Williams has had his loan spell at Championship side Ipswich Town extended until the end of the season. The Welsh international has just completed a one-month loan in Suffolk, making six appearances and scoring one goal. Crystal Palace Football Club been given the uh, League Managers Association's Performance of the Week award following our memorable 1-0 victory over Chelsea. The LMA's five-man judging panel, which comprises LMA chairman Howard Wilkinson, former Man United boss Alex Ferguson, uh, ex-Eagles manager Dave Bassett, Joel Royal and Barry Fry decided the Palace deserved the award after they upset Jose Mourinho's title challengers. Crystal Palace's clash with Liverpool has been switched to Monday the 5th of May for live television coverage. The fixture, which was initially for Saturday the 3rd of May, has been selected by Sky Sports as their Monday night live coverage and will now kick off at 8pm on the bank holiday Monday. I'm certainly going to back any man that is taking over, if I like them or not. That man is so easy. It's going so deep. I'll do it. I fancy my chances this week. Moves in brave. Get involved with the show. Email radio at homestale.net or call us on 0208 1234 098. Homestale Radio. Voices for Palace Watch. Faces for Crime Watch. Hello. Hi, Steve. <laughs> um, Hello, sorry. You're yeah. all right. Yeah, all good. We're, in fact, we're just back live now, in fact. That was, uh, that was good timing. Anyway, it's uh, yeah, Chris here as normal, and I've got Ben in the background, and Stuart and Alex as well. Um, thanks, for Hello, guys. You're all right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we're good. There they, good. <laughs> there they are. I thought they'd gone shy. Anyway, obviously, thanks for joining us once again, Steve. Really do appreciate it. We'll try not to uh, take up too much of your Sunday. Um, so you're joining us at a time where the, the team are performing brilliantly and we've uh, seen us deservedly beat the league leaders, destroy a relegation rival at their own ground. Uh, and it's fair to say we're actually pretty close to surviving now. So, so how are you feeling about that relegation battle at the moment? <coughs> Uh, well, you know, I won't feel anything until we're 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 done. Really, I mean, I think we've got to be very careful about being complacent. You know, it's far from done. I think there's a lot of points to play for. So, um, you know, it's a it's a last two games we're, we're we're a good step in the right direction, but but no more than that to me. I think we we need to be very careful about building a kind of environment where we, where we think that we, we're done. You know, I mean. It, Team below us win. We've just won two games in a row. You know, team below us win two games in a row, and there's still a lot of football to be played. And you know, we're we're back in it again. So, you know, I, yeah, I'm not uh, absolutely. Yeah. I think I think. Sorry, I don't know if you cut out or um... far from over. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, we have got you. I don't know. I don't know if Chris was cutting out there. Um, Steve, a table was published to the Premier League if the season had started in Tony Pulis's first game. And it sees Palace sitting in eighth place. Obviously, we, as you say, we've still got a lot of work to do. But do you think Tony and the club in general are getting enough respect and credit for what we're doing? 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, you know, I, I don't really care, to be honest. I, I'm not. I'm not really fast. You know, I, I, I think that we go about our business quietly. You know, we've done that as an underdog in the championship, and we're an underdog this year. And that's fine. It takes time for people to to come round. To you know, I'm sure we'll get the credit we deserve if if, if we stay up, and I'm sure we'll get credit if we go on and do better than that. So. You know, it's it's. I'm really not. You know, I don't get bogged down with what where we are a match of the day and yeah. all that stuff. I mean, the amount of exposure that we get as a football club by being in the Premier League, the amount of excitement that it generates, the amount of money, frankly, that we get that we can improve the things around the club. You know, that 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 right now is is, is really important to me, and you, know, you can see from season ticket sales. You know, they're really extraordinary. I mean, okay. it, 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 if we were to stay up, you know, we, we we would we would definitely be deciding on a number that we wanted to close season tickets sales, so we still had some casual tickets rather than. I mean, to put it in perspective, we sold about thirteen thousand tickets in twelve thirteen season. We sold for the whole season about eight and a half thousand, and about a good deal of them pushing a thousand were long term season tickets that we that we still had to honour from the previous regime. So. Um, I'm happy with with everything right now that comes with with being in the Premier League, and 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 you know I just want us to stay there. So I'm not really worried about you know recognition or anything like that. I think you've got to learn that over a period of time. Mm, okay, and you uh, you mentioned there about season tickets, and obviously the fans in general have been getting a lot of praise, not just from within the club, but the Premier League has really sort of sat up and taken notice of that. You mentioned in the past that we've something really special going on at the club. And all that said, the Premier League does feel like a fairly sterile place for atmosphere a lot of the time. Are there sort of off-field pressures from the authorities that make encouraging the raucous, passionate Palace support quite difficult? Well, that's a long question. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. I think, um, I think you've got to remember where the... When we were in the Championship, I am actually looking at that through rose-tinted spectacles. Mm. You know, I remember a lot of half-empty stadiums with... You know, a few people in one corner singing. Um, you know, normally us. Um, you know, we've definitely added to the Premier League. I think. You know, you talk about recognition. I think we've been fully recognised by everybody for that. Um, I think. I think. I hope we remember. You know what we've done since we came to the club, in order to encourage people to support the club, and I hope if we're lucky enough to stay in the league and we're dealing with sold-out stadiums every week and turning people away, if it got to that, that we remember the things that we did to get people to come, you know, when perhaps coming to Palace wasn't quite so popular. So um, we, we've got a lot of credits and a lot of accolades. We've got um, fantastic atmosphere in the ground. I think the ground lends itself to that, which is, if we redevelop, you know, it's something we've got to try and hold on to, although it does get a bit more difficult as you make the stadium bigger. But um, as far as the authorities are concerned, I think that, you know, we had a police-free game in the stadium against Chelsea, mm. which is, I think, the first time that category of game. Uh, Premier League fans, I have to say, I don't know whether it's because they've got less room to move around, but fans in the Premier League, tend to be better behaved in the stadium. You know, that's factual. You know, we have yeah. less seats damage, less problems, um, home and away than, than we do. We did in the championship. M- many, many less problems. 
Uh, is there a slightly sterile atmosphere in some grounds? Yeah, maybe. But you know, all we can focus on is ourselves, and hopefully, we're making a you know a good example for people. But it's no secret that we'd like to see safe standard brought back. I'd love to incorporate that into a stadium. I think we've got lots of issues at the moment in certain areas of the homestead where some people habitually stand and other people want to sit, and you can never solve those two things. Block B's all right, block C's okay. Once you get to block D, you've got a mixture of people. Yeah. Some want to stand, some want to sit. You know, I think if, if we could have an area of the ground where we said that's safe standing, now everybody in that area's got to sit because, you know, apart from moments of excitement. So I think it, it's a delicate subject right now, especially, you know, with the Hillsborough anniversary coming up and things like that. And, I think it's something that will take a few years to, to probably probably the football league. I would imagine might adopt it first, and and then it hopefully will gradually come back into football. Because I've been to Germany, where they have it, and it's fantastic. Yeah, definitely it makes, for, it makes for a great atmosphere. But I, I think you know we're working we're working well with the authorities, and and, and I think you know we've we've got a great atmosphere and everything's good. So I think we should just focus on that. Okay. And then just one more on the subject of support. It must be pleasing to see Celeste packed with you know loads of passionate Palace supporters, which in itself, I suppose, leads to the question of, of stadium development capacity. So how the plans come along with regards to the, the Celeste redevelopment? Yeah, I know there's a lot of angst, isn't there, because I won't say too much. I don't really want to come out with you know something that becomes a kind of promise. Um, we've, we've got a scheme. I've been working with Jeremy's son, Tom. He's been helping me. Um, and we've got a scheme that we think is doable. It's not without a few challenges, but they're they're, they're not insurmountable. Um, and and it would see a start by by you know redeveloping the ground, stand by stand, starting with the wilds and the, and the main and the main stand, um, and hopefully raising the capacity to you know depending on what we could achieve in planning. I'd like to see it minimum thirty five. Um, I think if we stay in the Premier League, you know, demand's very much there for that. Remember that we've we've pretty much only sold to Palace fans this year. I think the membership scheme and the control of ticket sales has really helped us as well. Because I remember 2004-2005 season in the Premier League where there were a lot of opposition fans in the stadium for the most yeah. games. A lot of Chelsea fans at Chelsea and a lot of Man United fans, you know. And I, and I haven't sensed that at all. I think the only time it felt like there were quite a few Chelsea games, fans in the corporate areas with the Chelsea, but that's to be expected because they're so local to us. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that we are, we have got the demand there. You know, it, it, it's there. We can see it now. Um, and I think that, it, you know, we could easily get to a 35,000 seat stadium in the Premier League if we, were, if we submitted our place there. So... I mean that's got to be the minimum aim. That would put about, you know, more or less ten million on the on the ticket on the gate receipts for the season. Yeah. Uh, okay. And you... Which would then which would then put us, you know, if you look at our non-football income. So Tom and I have done a lot of research uh, with, with a friend of mine. We've done a lot of research on the non-football income of the Premier League sides, hmm. and that would really leapfrog us up that league table if you like. Um, and, and see us start pushing the Villas and the Newcastles in terms of overall turnover. Uh, and they're the top two really outside of the, you know, along with Everton, they're, they're the teams that are the next biggest outside the top six. 
in terms of turnover. So that's really what we're looking at, is, we, is we're trying to bridge that gap in terms of turnover that, that therefore could, in theory, after a period of time, make us as competitive as those teams as long as we spent the money wisely. Um, sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm back now. Apologies for my technical meltdown, Steve. I'm in the middle of... An right. apparently, I, apparently I talked over you, which was nice of me. So sorry about that. Um, so you, you've mentioned in, in the past about the catchment area. Hopefully I'm reading the right question. Uh, Tony Peel has mentioned in the press uh, quite recently that there is a case for Palace to be the South London club. Um, is that where uh, the logical progression for Palace is in securing a top flight future? And then obviously looking beyond that into the future and, and seeing whether we can ever get to a level where we're, we're challenging at the top reaches of that division. I mean, is there any limit to that dream? I think there is a li li limit, you know, I think once you get to, if you want to get Champions League, it's it, the people up there. You know, you, I don't know if people have seen that chart that's going around Twitter, but mm. the, the wage bills and the transfer money that people are spending up there are just astronomical. Yeah. And if you look at you know teams like Newcastle and Villa, who traditionally had quite a reasonable financial advantage over a lot of other teams in the division. And, and then had money invested over and above their own income. Yeah. How hard they found it after many, many, many years to break into there. I think that's, that's a bit less realistic. And there's, a, there's this double-edged sword, isn't there, of these financial fair play rules where, you know, you, you, under the financial fair play rules, you couldn't now do what, what, what has been done to a man at your Chelsea. Mm. Um, but I certainly think... So it would need, it would need investment over and above the income of the club to, to really break into the, the top. You sort of start maybe Europa League one year and I think Stoke are pretty established, you know, mid to above table Premier League club. Um, if, if we decided this year, there's no reason why we couldn't achieve it. But, you know, I don't want to start, again, talking about things like they've done. You know, we're, we're, we're a long way off from staying there this year and, um, you know, we've got goals, you know, 17th. I think the last four seasons out of four, the team that finished 17th has got relegated the next season. All right. So, you know, it's about finishing as strongly as possible as well and not letting our foot off the pedal. And times, absolutely. I mean, I thought yesterday's performance off the back of Chelsea, you know, as Tony said, it could have easily been after the Lord Mayor's show, but, you know, he doesn't relax or rest or take anything for granted. He's, he's been around this division too, too long. So, mm. yes, it's all possible. But it's really important that we that we stay there now. And, and as you've, you've highlighted, we've got ourselves a bit of a mountain to climb. And, and Tony's up to really have an unbelievable track record. Um, and, and let's just hope and keep it going with, with, with the lads. They've been brilliant. Mm -hmm. You spoke on Sky recently and talked about the, the differing plans for the team in the Premier League and then the team in the Championship and how different that is. Obviously, money is the big factor there. But just how different a future does it give the club to stay up and, and the importance of remaining a Premier League club become more apparent as the season went on? Um, I suppose what, what becomes apparent is that you can just do things that you want to do. You know, I've made no secret of how, I suppose, how much it annoys me, the, the, the standards that we had at the club when we came in, you know, the, the, the neglect of the infrastructure of the stadium and the, you know, there's all sorts of reasons for that and I'm not blaming people, but, you know, it, 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 it just how sorry we felt for ourselves, and it's just lovely to be able to fix things and 
you know, for those of you who've seen the new Platinum on the main stand, you know, we know we've yeah. all been knocked down, but I just couldn't bear it anymore. It's so embarrassing to basically, you know, we've got the biggest TV companies in the world. We've got, you know, we had a presentation at the Premier League for NBC in America. You know, they, they televise every game live in America. You know, and, and the, you know, the games are going from, I think, they, you know, the average has gone from something like 250,000, 300,000 a game up to 600, 700,000 a game. It's, it's, you know, a real fast-growing um, sports property in, in the US, and it's brilliantly done. And so, you know, we've got all these people from Indonesia, from Malaysia, from all over the world looking at our club, which is part of our borough, which is part of our area that we we're all born and brought up in. And we've got painted, corrugated iron. Mm. Having stand and wires that run from stand to stand with just no semblance of. I mean, the wires that run from stand to stand. It's taken us more or less eight months to work out what they all are, where they go, how they need to be replaced. It's costing tens of thousands to replace them and get them put in proper channels underground and make sense of it all. Um, so. You know, just and, and then the training ground, we've been able to buy that, and then looking ahead to what we do with the academy and the and the you know we'll have a first team training ground and sitting with Tom planning what a first team training ground you know proper facility would look like. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all it's all just it's so fantastically exciting for me because of what the football club means to us all and how I want everybody that supports the club to feel about themselves, you know? I don't want them mm. to go to work with these sporting players, mm. you know? I mean, it, 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 it's, you know, it's, it, it, that's what's fantastic about it and the organisation. And I'm not, you know, the Football League do a fantastic job, you know, it's the long tail of football and you know, they, they look after a, a three-tier system brilliantly well, but in the Premier League's place, you want to be trying to get there, that's, what our football pyramid exists around and I have to say it's so well organised and managed and, and the, the people that are in the league do such a fantastic job selling it around the world and, and you know you, you're just interested in our football club so I think it's really important that we everything is, is done properly and, and I'm, I'm proud now I look at that main stand once we get some signs up we can the gates are there in there you know so they all look, mm. you know the problem is with the, when you fix one bit you know the next worst bit starts to assert <laughs> itself. But even the car park, you know, we took the fence down in the car park and, yeah. um, you know, we, we removed all those awful shed things that were there and, um, you know, painted lots of new lines and makes it. It's all just gradually improving and we're feeling better about ourselves, which I think helps us believe that this is where we should be. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've said a couple of times in the last few weeks, you know, Paris fans always worry when they're moaning, you know, or, or complaining about a bad performance or, you know, West Ham fans think it's an absolute disaster if they get relegated and they shouldn't on any account be relegated. You know, and they show their displeasure at any sign of that. And I don't want to go maybe that far, but, but I certainly think a little bit of expectation around Paris fans rather than this kind of, oh, you know, isn't it great to be here, but we'll only be here once a season. Yeah. We'll pop off back where we belong, you know, because we, we well, do belong. We do belong here. We are a well enough supported club to hold our head high and be a part of this division on an ongoing basis. Um, and, and, I, and I hope that we can do it. And, you know, 
maybe one day somebody else comes along with massively deep pockets once we've established mid-table if we could and, and, and then really pushes us on but we, you know it's, it's stages football you, you're not going to get there in one go and so yeah I, I love being in this league because of all the things that we can do that I think makes people feel better about themselves and, and that's shown in the amount of people that want to come you know yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I want to skip ahead to a, to a question I was going to ask you a bit later because it, it's along the lines of what you're talking about. Uh, and pre pre the Cardiff game, a lot of us are you know very nervous and we're sort of noticeable that these sort of games are like it, it would be typical Palace if we lose this or you know we tend to lose these must win games and all that sort of stuff. And we're, we're coming out on top now. And do you think that's a sign that we're watching uh, a culturally different Palace? Are we? I mean, Dougie used to talk about leaving certain attitudes behind, and you've you've carried that on today talking about that same sort of thing and. Uh, you know, are we are we now moving away from that attitude? Do you think, or are we still some way to go? I think every football fan's got a bit of that, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, even every football fan has a tough time, you know, and, and of every club, and, and I think that they feel that you know there's certain traits of the club that mean they do certain things. I think it's prevalent at Palace because we've had a pretty tough 15 years, a couple of administrations, you know indications that we might um, you know we might have um, retained a status in the top division and, and then not quite succeeded and all sorts of turmoil so of course I think people are, tend to fear the worst mm-hmm. um, but that, none of that's really bad that's what spurs you on as well I think you know if you look at clubs, uh, dare I say, you know, Charlton, when they really established themselves in the Premier League, it was probably at the point where they may, may, maybe they got a bit complacent about being there. You know, they didn't look at the wage ramifications if they went down into the league below when they were doing contracts with players, and you know that, that, that they caused themselves a problem. So I think that you've got to try and retain that healthy doubt. I don't think you know it's healthy to go into every game thinking, oh, we're great, we're going to win. You know, I think that. It's really important that, 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 you know, someone like Tony, you know, you watch the way he manages and, you know, every base is covered and everything is about worrying about what might go wrong and that kind of thing. So I don't think that's unhealthy. It's the nature of a football fan. Um, so I think, we, you know, we've got to just maintain the right, right balance really. And really important right now is to not get ahead of ourselves, you know. We've won a couple of games. We've given ourselves a chance. But I don't think you'll start with 34 points. So we need to win some games and we've got some tough games coming up. And and the, the biggest fear for me is when we get that sense of complacency. The last mm. time I you know, felt it was the Newcastle game. Yeah. I felt going into that game I could just feel it. You know, we had a few good performances and won the game before I think and everybody just thought we're gonna you know, we'll, we'll win this and then, you know, we'll be alright. And um Pabai and, and, and you know, they gave us a good lesson that day. Uh, and I think it permeates from the fans to the players to the performance. And I, I just think it's because it's it gets in the press. I think it's really important right now that we keep our feet on the ground, you know, and, and stop looking at, oh, if this season, you know, you, know, you are where you are in the season because that's what you've done. <laughs> um, you can't start taking chunks of it, you know, because if everybody took their best chunk, everybody would be top. <laughs> you know, and extrapolated that across the season. So, um, you know, we, we we need to keep going, and I think fans have been great, and we just need to carry on doing what they've been doing. 
Okay. You mentioned those couple of wins. Uh, yesterday was obviously Cardiff and, and in turn Wilfred Zaha. So like all Palace fans, I guess you're disappointed that he hasn't been given a chance at United and Cardiff. Um, you know, and that they, at Cardiff they don't really seem to be supporting him and appreciating him. Do you think that Man United will really cut their losses on, on such a talent at the end of the season? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 he's a player. Uh, you know, all I, I was asked if he became available, would we be interested in him? And I said, I'm sure that you know we would. Tony, in the end, will sit down with me and, and Ian in the summer, um, and he'll have a really good idea of, of who he wants. Um, and, and, and if we're in this division, you know, we'll we'll, we'll look at players, and, and if a talent like was available, I'm sure we'd look at it. I don't think it's fair to say he hasn't really had a chance at Cardiff because he started yesterday when he went there. You know, he hasn't played any games. I mean, you're not going to just go into the first team of a Premier League side having not played any games all season. Um, and they're scrapping for their lives. They've got, you know, when you're scrapping for your lives, you try and find a system, you know, a way of playing that gets your results. He came on, I think, against West Brom and most accounts of the game were that, you know, he changed the game for them, so... People's careers don't always just go up, 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 up. You know, you've got to find the right environment for yourself as a player where you can thrive. And but you go through periods where maybe it doesn't work for you. So, you know, I'm sure... I was pleased with the reception that the Palace fans gave him yesterday. I hated him booing or anything like that. I thought mm-hmm. it was fantastic. And, you know, it, it was lovely to see him again. Some of the touches and the movement, you know, it just reminded us of, 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 of what we used to have. But... Mm. I think we've got to be careful about having an obsession about any one player. You know, this fact of that is, you know, we've got some fabulous, fabulous players in our squad. I mean, Jason yesterday, you know, mm. two players for Chelsea. You know, we'd have been having a masterclass on him. I think yesterday. <laughs> you know, with the two goals, fantastic. Mm. Um, yeah, he, so, no, he, got, he, he, players, he was, you know. Shit. Yeah, no, definitely. I thought yeah, Punchin was out of this world yesterday. I think on, on Wilf, I thought, I thought he gave Joel Ward probably for a, for a little spell. Probably gave him the sort of biggest test that I've seen anyone give Ward. But that's testament to how good Joel Ward's been this season. But you can start saying that about pretty much everyone. It's it's been a terrific turnaround in form, and you can see the confidence as well in the team, which is really nice to see. Yeah, I mean, I thought we played him very well yesterday, Wilf, because personally, for the amount of times I've seen him. I think the worst thing you can do is double up on him. Mm. Because I think it causes confusion in your own defence. Um, I think Joel dealt with him well. You, you're not going to stop a player like Will from not getting the ball in the box every now and again. Um, but it's it's all about how difficult you make it for him mm. and what the quality of the ball was. And I think even when he beat Joel, the quality of the ball was rushed. You know, it wasn't... It wasn't you know, he didn't have time to pick out a man because... You know, he was he was only a yard, you know, or, or a quarter of a yard in front of Joe, and Joe was stretching to stop the ball going across and stopped it. And and I think that that was the brave thing, you know, from the managers. We didn't pay him any particular mind. We treated him as any other player on, on the pitch. And when he went into whatever player's area, you know, he was picked up. And I've seen teams double and triple up on Wilf like you all have. And because he can wriggle through, it, it actually causes more confusion. And, of course, when he does it, he's taken two, three players out of the game. So, um, I thought tactically, you know, we knew him well. And I'm sure Joel's played against him a lot in training. I thought Joel, you know, did manage him, manage him 
pretty well this season. Mm. And on the subject of Joel Ward, obviously on Twitter things can get a bit out of hand, but a lot has been been mentioned about Joel Ward for England. Do you think that's ever a possibility? <coughs> um, I, just, I think when, when you're where we are in the table, I think it's, it's a, I mean, I'm sure Roy knows of him, and um, I, I, I'm not sure that, that, that that's going to happen just yet. If he carries on playing as he plays, he's playing, and he carries on developing, um, then I think you know he's, he's got every chance of being an England player. But I think that just just where we are in the league, and the fact that it's a World Cup, you know, I think we'll, you know, barring balance injuries, mm. I'm not sure that that's, that's realistic right now. But he's definitely heading in that direction with the way he's playing. Yeah. Well, no, I think I'd have to agree with that, and most people would as well. Uh, returning to recent performances, a lot of fans, us included on this show, were very down after the Newcastle game. But the feeling now is just sort of the polar opposite. People are really, really happy. So, did you see us beating Chelsea, and in the manner that we did? Yeah, I thought that we had three good performances, four good performances against the top teams, and we the Arsenal at home, the Chelsea away, Man City away, um, and Tottenham away first half. I thought we were exceptional. So I'm, I'm never one of these people that looks at the fixture list and says, no chance against them, no chance against them, I oh, will beat them, no chance we'll beat them, we'll beat yeah. them. It just isn't the way it works. It's just never the way it works. You know, you can... I, I think the way we play, it isn't a style that Chelsea particularly like to come up against. Um, I've got to be honest, I, I thought early on, they looked more tense and worried about not winning it than we did about losing it. I thought they were uncharacteristic. And, and we just make things so difficult for teams with our endeavour. And, and, you know, the front guys were on song. So, you know, I'll go into the game in the back of my mind. I, I never write us off. Because I've, I've seen us be my man City away. You know, Joe Hart was man of the match. I really, if we'd have won that game, it wouldn't have been a travesty. Um, if we'd have got a draw, it would probably would have been fair. Um, so Tottenham away first half was sensational in a way when the when we're making it difficult for the top sides and they and they sort of must win basically every game to try and win the title or get into the Champions League in Tottenham's case so they've got to make the game all the time I think it always gives you a chance at home with our crowd and you know what kind of different environment it probably is for, for a lot of the players bit of a culture shock for some of them um, so you know I always think we've got a chance and I think that you know we've got to give ourselves a chance against you know Liverpool Man City when they come we can't just you know if everybody just said oh they're better than you we wouldn't play the games would we it wouldn't be such mm. an amazing division and as Tony said I think unless the top teams are absolutely on song then the, the teams in the lowest division can catch it out. And, you know, we, we, we did that on that day. You know, another day, they score early and, you, you know, you're, you've got greater difficulties because you've got to come out and try and make the game a little bit more. So, um, I can't say I predicted it, but I didn't think it was impossible going into it. And I, I felt fairly confident-ish of a draw. Um, so, you know, it was it was it was 
obviously pleasing and a, and a historic win for the for the football club and great boost for the fans. But then I was worried all week that that would carry over into complacency at Cardiff. So I'm almost more you know enthused about the Cardiff performance really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I mean, I, yeah, I, as I said earlier, you, you do you do worry that the, the, the typical Palace thing to do would be would be to do exactly that, take your eye off the ball after beating Chelsea. And, and yeah, going back to as in, as in the start of the question, I I really did think well after the Newcastle game, I listened back to the show that we did, and we were so down about it, and I actually felt like it was almost like I wish I was a listener. I could have rung in and criticised us for how we were being because we we have done really ridiculously well this season. You know, we're going to have little bits where we drop off. But it looks like we're we're coming into form at the right time. Uh, and on that, the, the Villa game looks for all the world like a match that a, a win could secure the Premier League status for the season. Um, you sort of hinted at job not done, but are, are you confident going into that game? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mixing every single Premier League game is in the balance. You know, particularly when you're playing the rivals down down towards the bottom end. You know, Villa are a very, very, very big club with a, with a lot of history and, you know, we beat them up there. If we could do the double over, I'm, I'm sure we've never done that before. So that would be another milestone for us. Um, all I know is that our management team will plan and plot and scheme and leave no, un- no stone unturned and the players will respond brilliantly to it and work hard all week and um, we, we, we will give it our best shot and, you know, some days it comes off, some days it doesn't. I wasn't that discouraged after Newcastle because I thought it was a good performance. Mm. I, I was I was disappointed because I thought they were there for the taking a little bit. Um, but, you know, it wasn't. A, it's not a vintage Newcastle side at the moment. I think they've lost some key players at difficult times. Didn't really a lot to play for for them. Um, you know, I really did think that we that we had a you know a good chance. So it was a bit disappointing, a very disappointing in the nature of the goal. But equally. You know, when you look at our side and you look at how we play, you just don't think that we're going to get... You know, a run of his bad results is never going to be the norm because, you know, we're just... We're, we're, we're drilled and we're solid and... Uh, and I was kind of thinking that might not be bad. We've had a little bit of a iffy run. Mm. You know, we, we wouldn't want that coming to the end when we need it, you know? Um, so... You know, we are where we are. We've all taken this at the start of the season. We've certainly taken it after 10 games. Well, I think we had four points, didn't we? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Three or four. And, 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 you know, as a football club, together, all of us, obviously led by Tony and his, his team at the training ground over the last six months, seven months, we've we've come a long way. And, and you know, we've come an enormous journey from, you know, it's only three and a half years ago just over, nearly coming up four years that, that, that we took over. So, you know, we've, we've always got to be mindful of how far we've come and, and just carry on, try to put those building blocks in place and get to get to the next run of the ladder and, and, and just keep trying to get up it as, much, as best we can. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just been a you know magnificent effort. Um, from my point of view, I think you know from the day one we kicked a ball this season right through to today, it's it's just got better and better as 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 the club has as the club has gone through the Premiership season. And I'm you know me personally, I'm I'm pretty confident we we're gonna do all well. Uh, but you know, I still remember the the days in '93 when we um, unfortunately got beaten to the post by Oldham. So you know, it's no counting the chickens. Well, just I, was, I think it was Ipswich game, wasn't it? Yes, that's right. 
Yeah, we yeah, did a lap of honour. We did a lap of honour, didn't we? You know, exactly. Yeah. And uh, anybody that was around then will understand exactly what I'm saying and what I'm getting at. Yeah. And and, and, and the mood we need around the club right now. I, d- um, I just think, yeah, I mean, it'd be fantastic if, you know, if by the Liverpool game that we're safe and it could you know, just be a fantastic party atmosphere in the last last home game of the season, we're already safe. So that, you know, that's something that surely that we can, you know, work towards. But, um, I mean, Steve, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about maybe the contract situation with a couple of key players in, in Julian Speroni and, and Schumach. I mean, you know, it's very... It's 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 very popular posts on the internet forums at the moment about what's in particular with with Speroni and as to what's going to happen. Is it literally a situation as as to we're we're just going to wait until what division we're in and, and to see what we can offer these guys? Yeah, listen, we've got there's always contractual situations at the club, and there's a lot of players coming up either a year to go or or out of contracts or various different contract issues and. It, it, we, we don't want to be having those conversations with players now. Um, you know, we need to get to the end of the season. You know, it makes a massive difference to the clients of the club where we are. Um, so Tony's made it clear he's not having any of those conversations at the moment, and he, and he wants to wait to the end of the season. He, he said that in several press conferences. So you know, all the players have been spoken to that, that where that's relevant and. As soon as we know where we are, you know, we'll start having those conversations. But right now, we're just going to focus on the job that we've got to do. Okay. And then uh, a question about the the new kit. Obviously, you moved on to Macron being the new sponsor, uh, the new kit maker. Sorry. Um, and there's a picture going around on Twitter. We we realise now that that's fake. But you tweeted that you'd taken the kit to the training ground and, and shown some of the players and stuff like that. So is that a case of it's done and dusted and, and ready to go? And when are we going to see that announced? Uh, yeah, the kit's made, I think. I mean, it'd just be a question. I think we'll try and launch it player of the year right. if, if, if we've got the kit in time. Obviously, we've got a huge amount of work to do this season because we're taking the retail back in-house. Um, so Mike Pink, who we've taken as retail manager, is a fantastic lad. He's working overtime to get a new online shop and uh, looking at you know, whether we refurb the shop or, or we have a shop somewhere else on the site. Um, so there's, there's loads going on, but not, as long as the kit's ready, what we took down to the training ground was all the training wear, so the stuff that the players wear every day as well, and the fit of the kit, so it wasn't the actual kit, but it was the, you know, the, the fit that we were going to get to the players and the replicas, and, and also all the casual clothes, so all the, you know, the, suit, you know, the training wear and then the more casual, you know, polo shirts, that kind of thing. So, um, and for me, it was hands down. The, the, the thing that best represented our football club in terms of where, where we're situated is very, it's very trendy, very uh, now, uh, all sorts of stuff that I think all of our fans would, would want to wear. Um and, and quite when it gets into the, the non-football stuff, you know, just very fashionable, very current. So um, I'm really, really enthusiastic about about next year's kit. Um, I don't want to give too much away because I want it to be a nice surprise, hopefully, for people. But um, I think people will be pleased. And, 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 you know, to be fair, I think we've got that sort of stuff pretty right so far. 
Um, and I think what, we, what we're going to do this time is, 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 is the right time for this. So um, hopefully everybody will like it. It's, it's, basically, it's basically a kit fit for the Premiership, is what you're saying, yes, Dave? Well, listen, I think we took, we took, yeah, I mean, if we're there, it would be fit for the Championship, if we're not, won't it? Um, we took a big risk, basically working with Jazzfield to manufacture our own kit, and they did a great job for us on that, but it is a stretch, it is difficult, puts a big strain on us to manufacture your own kit, design and manufacture your own kit. Um, and uh, what we wanted to do was find a kit supplier that had like a shape template, but could actually give us something that was, you know, unique to us as well, and 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 very important to me that we had something that, you know, South London is a pretty, you know, people are pretty up on their fashion, and especially the youngsters that support our football club, and and, and I think it was important we had something that felt like it represented our club, um, and was very current and now, and you know, but but also where we didn't have to manufacture it all, decide on the fit, decide on the cut, you know, where we could just go, right, that's an off-the-shelf block, they call it, which is the shape of shirt, shape of the shorts, etc., and then put our colours and, and, and branding on it. Um, and, and that's what we've got, and it should make life a lot easier for, for everybody. Hi, Steve. Paul Edwardson on Twitter's got a question for you. He says, do you think that your advertising background has helped you in trying to run things in the club in, in all sort of aspects? Yeah, of course it has. I think you, you draw on your background totally, don't you, for everything that you do. I mean, I ran a decent-sized business, which, which obviously helps. Um, absolutely. I think so. I think... We've got some work to do, funny enough, this year on the branding and the email templates, and I think we've, we're doing some research on what, what the club is and what it stands for and what, why we think we're a little bit different and how we can accentuate those differences in everything we do. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it, it's helped a lot. I think generally having a service business where I have you know, a couple of thousand full-time people and 1,500 or so freelancers around the world, and, and getting people to work together and, and move in the right same direction and try and improve things and push towards trying to achieve targets and and standards that, that, that you've never got to before, I think that's, it, it helped a lot, yeah. But I couldn't do it without people being responsive. You know, and people at the club are, are fantastically responsive to change and innovation. I mean, this week we had... Um, Premier League ran a survey, Visit Britain ran a survey, so they're basically secret shoppers at the, at the stadium. So they've had two visits from, from, from those guys now where they've done, they've come as a disabled fan, as an able-bodied fan, and into a corporate hospitality area, and then they came back as a, a couple of able-bodied fans, and it goes from their experience of trying to buy a ticket all the way through. So um, we sat for three hours again with them this week going through their findings and their marks. We get populists did a survey that some of our fans took part in, which is similar, where our fans rate us on different things. And then we have to have an action plan that we follow through to improve things. And, and people are brilliantly responsive to that. And I think I like to think there's a more, without bogging people down with meetings, because I don't particularly like them, but there's a much more structured approach to everything we do increasing the, the, the number of staff and the quality of staff. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that, you know, the things that I've done before, obviously, I'd like to think that helped. 
No, it's, it's obviously great to hear. I mean, that's just another example of all the stuff that's going on in the background, obviously, that a lot of fans probably don't really realise. I would really like realize. to apologise, by the way, to people on that. One of the other things we've done this week, mm. I know that um, uh, there's been a lot of problems in the box office, but just with the demand. Mm. Um, we're, we're working with the provider of the software. It's one of those mm. things where I've seen complaints on other occasions when, when we've got busy. But obviously the money just gone was a really particularly busy time because we the season tickets were 31st of March was a deadline and, and then we beat Chelsea just before and obviously the optimism about us staying in the division rises and people want to buy their season ticket. I mean, it's a bit frustrating for us, I guess, that every, so many people leave it to the last moment. <laughs> but, yeah. and, and obviously, you know, you'd like more people to try and buy online. Um, but nevertheless, you know, we had an extremely high call volume and whilst we managed to get round to a lot of them, people were on hold for too long, an unacceptable amount of time. Um, now, we don't want to have some kind of, you know, we don't want to expand our call centre to 20 people for those busy times, 15 of which, or, or, or 14 of which, or 12 of which, have never really done it before for the club. You know, our yeah. ground's quite idiosyncratic. And, you know, it's, it's different sections of it are all different, aren't they? You can't just move people around and, mm. you know, when people, are, as of Tuesday, people could move their seats and, you know, you need people that really understand and, and know that, often know the people they're speaking to. Yeah. Um, so what what we want is a system where people, people hang on and hang on and hang on, unlike they would, because they're worried about losing their place in the queue and not getting their ticket. And also, we had, we had two games on sale at the same time. So we've got people trying to renew their season ticket, and other people ringing to try and get, you know, the Liverpools and the and the, the Man City games or whatever games they were trying to buy Villa game. So we've 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 had a meeting with the call centre people this week. We, we, we're working with them to instigate a different system, um, which hopefully will mean a much much better service for people. Um, we've got to think a bit out of the box to do it because we don't just want to load up with call off centre players that, that don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So um, hopefully, I do apologise to everybody. I did answer a lot of people on Twitter, took their numbers, got them box office to ring them. I think everybody pretty much that, that you know we we encourage people to email in. I think Steve was doing that in the BBS and, and yeah. encouraging people to email in um, and said to them that if you've emailed and given us all your information on the Monday, you know we won't we'll get you your ticket at that rate. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll honour yeah. that if you've registered your interest at that point. And, I, and and obviously that went on and we rang everybody back in the box office and worked incredibly hard to do that. But things like that, you know, it, it, it's, it's a very complex thing actually running a football club. And, and especially if you want to make it improve everything. And when you're dealing with a very old facility in many, many areas that have just been under-invested for a long time. So, um, we, you know, we, we are doing our best to improve everything and keep the complaints coming on Twitter and, and wherever because we we, we, we we don't run away from them, we welcome them, you know, and, and as long as they're all constructive and, and um, you know, genuine problems, we, we do what we, our, our best to solve them then and there and then look at what we can do long term to make them not happen. Yeah, okay, no, I'm, yeah, uh, obviously everyone, I'm sure, will get the message. There's no need, obviously, to make a complaint abusive, which I think is half the problem sometimes, but, I don't yeah. get many abusive ones. I get some funny ones, which is great. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't get, you know, bad ones. People get exasperated. I understand that. You know, waiting, yeah. waiting two hours on a phone line is, is unacceptable, and I get pretty exasperated. And I, I don't mind if some of that comes through on the on the tweet. You know. Yeah. 
Okay. Right. Um, okay, sorry, yeah, I, I think I thought I'd cut I out again there. I think you'll sleep, haven't I? I think you'll sleep talking about the I, box office. Honestly... Honestly, Steve, I've had so many technical problems during the course of this interview, I'm really looking forward to listen, listening back to it, but um, honestly thought I'd cut out again, apologies. <laughs> no worries. No, no listen, I, I'm going to let you go, thank you so much much for joining us today. I know from just, just catching up on the Twitch while my computer was broken um, that so many people are listening and enjoying it and really do appreciate you, you coming on and, and talking to the fans. So thanks so much for that. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll speak to you. Keep supporting. And then well, we can have a big, um, a big celebration at some point and I'd, be, I'd love to come back on and have that conversation. But yeah. you know, every, don't want any complacency. We, we've got to breathe and push and, and make sure we get over the line. Brilliant. Okay, thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Steve. Cheers, Steve. Okay, the wonderful Steve Parrish. Um, Coming up soon, we have got that interview with Yannick Bellassi, but we'll be back very, very shortly to review the Cardiff game. Get involved with the show. Email radio at homestyle.net or call us on 0208 1234 Homestyle Radio. Voices for Palace Watch. Faces for Crime Watch. Just... Right. I do think it's on my... Uh, just as my... Uh, Right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take over from there because Chris apparently uh, has cut out again. So, uh, as you mentioned previously, we are going to go straight into talking about the Cardiff game yesterday. Um, while Chris sort of restarts his his connection and, and tries to sort that out, but yeah, we'll go straight into the Cardiff game. We've obviously got Stuart and Alex with me. Alex is in the contact hub, taking all your your tweets and your emails. So, get those in, and, and we'll get around to some of those as well. But first of all, I think as we always do, we'll, we'll start with the lineup. So, uh, it was the same as the Chelsea game, and deservedly so, in in my opinion. Uh, Shamak and Gale were both back from injury, um, but Pulis decided not to put him in the team. So, Stuart, do you think that was the right decision from Pulis? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was, um, you, you couldn't fault their performance against Chelsea, and I think that same eleven deserved uh, deserved another shot at it. And uh, I think they'll be in again. It will be the same eleven for the Villa game going on yesterday's performance. What's to, um, what? What kind of surprised me was the, the the strong attacking nature of the substitutes that we had. We had Marion, we had Gale there, um, and another attacker, didn't we? I can't I'm trying to think of the other attacker that we had on there. But oh and Shamak, yeah. So yeah, I mean I was just very surprised, but um also at the same time I it sort of worried me for the future of Barry Bannon because I mean I haven't heard if he's injured or not. I don't know if you've heard Ben at all about that. But um yeah, he was sort of dropped completely. So um a lot of people have been vocal about Bannon being in the team, um, particularly on the um, on on the Homestale. Um, so yeah, I don't know if anyone's heard anything about Bannon. Ben, anything? No, yeah, well, I haven't heard if he's injured at all. But yeah, as you say, that's been a talking point for much of the season. You know, whether he's he's just sort of fallen out of favour with Tony Pulis. Uh, a lot was talked about when Pulis came in. You know, that the whole Stoke long ball thing and Barry Bannon is obviously not a player that is that is. You know that goes with that at all, but then you you say, saying that Balassi isn't either, and a lot of other players in the team completely aren't what was a typical Tony Pulis player. So, yeah, yeah. Bannon is a is a weird one, um, but hopefully, you know, we, we will see more of him because uh, myself and a lot of other Palace fans obviously do think that that he's got a big future. Alex, have you got a, 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 any comments? Firstly, on the the lineup, and then on Barry Bannon. Uh, not 
not surprised, like most people, I think about about the lineup. What what changes would you have made? Perhaps Shamat the only one, but you can't really drop Cameron Jerome after that. Barry Bannon is obviously a very well respected player with, from the Palace fans, and I think he's got a certain ability that perhaps we don't have in that starting lineup. And likened to sort of Johnny Williams because he's got that that edge about him on the ball, but. It's just tricky trying to fit him in that system at the moment. But I don't think you can judge Pulis yet on his system until next season, until he gets a start from the beginning. Because he came in halfway through this season, and that's the that's mm. the harsh thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, th- I think Chris is back, so uh, we have just been Hello. talking about the lineup. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on the uh, on the lineup yesterday? Don't you go all presenter on me? I'm the presenter. <laughs> <laughs> can you do I do I sound all right now? Can you actually hear me and stuff? Yeah, seems good. So I've, had to actually stop. I've had to use the internet on my phone to do this show instead of instead of BT. So just before we go any more into the lineup, don't get broadband through BT. Don't. They're scum. Just need to get out of my system. I'm very angry. Um, the lineup. I, I, I heard the, the back bit of what Alex was saying about. Um, obviously, you, you sort of the, the back part part of the bench didn't contain people like Bannon, did it? And it didn't contain. There's no Adelaide Gediora and things like that. And but what what I thought that the lineup meant was it looked it just it gave the impression to me at least it gave the impression that Tony Pulis was thinking that this is a this is a game we absolutely have to win and it it was our best chance for for three points and it and as we were talking about with Steve it was more a case of um just just you know not letting the Chelsea results spoil things for us by by you know failing to perform against Cardiff losing and then doing all that good work with which is what we talked about last week. So I think having the likes of Gail Murray and Tremac on the bench and Tom Ince as well, I mean, that's an incredibly attacking bench. Um, and but you just you couldn't change that side, could you, since the one from Chelsea? I'm sure you said it while I was off air. But, uh, I mean, how could you justify dropping Cameron Jerome after his performance against Chelsea? You really couldn't. And yeah, I mean, you, know, you can't. And, and as I said while you're off air as well, it's, it's, it, it will be the same for Villa, I would imagine. I mean, again, they've, put, they've all put in another... Hell of a shift yesterday, and uh, I, can't, I can't see them, any of them being dropped for the Villa game again. No, I mean, I, I completely agree, because if you go into a game, you know, winning one nil against Chelsea, obviously fantastic result, you've won by one goal, it, it deserves keeping the same team. Going on the back of Cardiff, winning by three goals is getting better and better. You cannot change that team, and you have to, you know, regardless of how well Shamak did when he came on, you've got to stick with Jerome leading the line, because he's done so well the last couple of weeks. Mm. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, I just the only, the only only other thing really is, I mean, we'll probably we'll, we'll talk about Schmack when he came off the bench. Is how, how do we, you know, thinking ahead, how do we change that side to accommodate him? Because you've got to accommodate him, haven't you? He's been one of arguably, in my view, our best player this season. So, I mean, who comes out of that side? What do we do? I mean, before I talked about dropping KG, but I thought KG was just magnificent yesterday. It's a really nice problem to have, sort of going into the end. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. End of the season, having so many people that you know, you put them in, they're going to do their job. Um, and I'll say Jerome's almost come out of nowhere after being something of a laughing stock. For, for a while and you know yeah okay he's still not a massive goal threat but the work he does just it just gives everyone else the chance to play around him and yeah it's, it's been incredibly encouraging so I mean there's not a huge amount to say on the on the lineup because no one really would have changed that team and and, it, and it's proved because we all got the benefit of hindsight the fact that we won 3-0 mm-hmm. um, it, it's absolutely the right way to go um, what do you think mm-hmm. I, I'll ask you Ben actually what do you think I mean, we, we we talked before, particularly the Newcastle review. We were talking about the failure to get support up uh, amongst Cameron Jerome. Um, we're doing that a lot more now, aren't we? What's what's been the biggest difference there for you? Well, I'm not too sure. I will first of all say that it's a fantastic problem for Tony Pulis to have. We mentioned about the, the sort of selection headache. What do you do? How can you accommodate both Shamak and Jerome? It's a it's a good problem for Tony Pulis to have because obviously. It's very different when you're going in off the back of three or four defeats. How do you change it to make it work? But it is working. So, you know, obviously you want to get Shamak in, but it's almost a bonus if you do bring him in. Um, what's changed? I don't, I don't know, to be honest. It's, it's a difficult one. Um, Jerome has, has really kicked on. He's got a lot better in the last few weeks. First half of the season when he was playing, I wasn't his biggest fan. I didn't think he offered too much to the team. But last few weeks, he just it's so apparent how much he works his socks off. You know, he runs for, for 90 minutes or... In the case of yesterday, not quite 90 minutes, obviously, came off in the 83rd for, for Glenn Murray. But he, he is looking more and more like like a brilliant player. Obviously, Tony Pulis knows a lot about him from Stoke. And, uh, mm. yeah, no, he's, he's, he's good. He, he is good. <laughs> I like that. Was really, that hang on, that was, yeah, that was an absolutely awful way to finish. Uh, maybe I should no. try a bit more succinctly next time. You should, yeah. He is good. I, I like that. I'm going to get that as a clip for you. We'll play it every... <laughs> Um, Mikey wanted to mention that Cameron Jerome is an absolute beast on FIFA as well. That's his justification for for Jerome being picked. But I think it's actually funny enough. It's one of those things where the uh, FIFA reality is matching the real real reality. I'm going to stop speaking there. Uh, Alex, you got a couple of tweets. Yeah, they're flying in actually about about the uh, about the team. Palace Gif says, "Why change the winning team? Pulis chooses his team on merit and isn't afraid to drop anyone." Uh, Patrick mm. O'Connor says, "The lineup has to be the same, but he can see Shamak getting in there somehow because we really need to revolve our team around him." Uh, we've got most people just agreeing with the lineup. Anthony Charles said, "We won three nil and, and didn't let." let them in all games so yeah it was a good tactical move so most people agreeing with the lineup but there's a few calls to, to try and fit Shamak back in there we've actually got one about Barry Bannon who we touched on earlier Markey uh, at Markey P7 said he likes Bannon but he personally believes that he's behind the ability of Joe Lidley Shamak Tom Ince, so he doesn't get why all the fans are crying out for him to start so since that's the harsh reality it is and, and harsh is exactly the word it's harsh on Bannon because he's not done badly whenever he's played but there's a lot of people you can say that Stuart O'Keefe we always talk about you can almost uh, you know give him a t-shirt that says never let us down when he's picked because he, he doesn't but you know there's there's no room for him in the side at the moment he didn't make the bench either he almost um, did last week Chris <laughs> yeah yeah but no he knew what he was doing he passed it to Torres yeah. deliberately it was yeah fine. thankfully it went to Torres yeah, yeah 50 million uh, brilliant uh, but I look there's there's so many positives 
Um, and, and it always feels like this after, after you've gone on a. Well, it's only a, it's only a two match winning run, and it's. But it just feels that much better, and, and you start to look down that that, in, that squad, that lineup we had there, and, and you do think it's almost an embarrassment of riches all of a sudden. It's not like that. The Premier League is a very harsh now unforgiving uh, division and if you go around the sort of the other teams in the league and ask them who of our players would they take into their squad they would probably tell you that we're kidding ourselves that most of them are up to Premier League standard I think we know a bit better than that I think uh, for, for me I think one of the, the biggest mm. signings and we, we sort of knew it at the time um, but it took a little while to settle was, was Joe Ledley because I mean so we'll talk about individual performances, but I think it's a good good time to sort of to point out that yes, he is playing in a slightly further forward role than than we expected him to play when we signed him. But he's really he's actually started to settle into that position as well. And yesterday was his best game, I think, in a Palace shirt. And maybe the fact that he was against his you know boyhood club Cardiff that sort of spurred him on that he wanted to you know make sure that he did a professional job and it focused his mind. But his his passing was absolutely fantastic. And I, I deliberately use the word fantastic, like I used to, you know, like I usually do, because it deserved it. It was, um, in a way, it kind of highlights the the weakness that Jednak has in in passing, because um, because obviously Leslie has that engine and you know that drive and termination, but also backs it up with a bit of pace and a bit of verve in the passing. So yeah, very very happy with the lineup, and, and can't see it changing. Although yeah, it, you do dream about trying to fit everyone in. The fact that Glenn Murray's on the bench sort of feels wrong as well, but um, yeah, at the wrong. moment, Very yeah, wrong. I thought you thought you might say that. It's just so so hard, isn't it? Really, so hard to um to really. Uh, I will I will apologise for the occasional fact you will hear my phone vibrate. I know Ben's picked it up, but it's because I'm using it to connect to the internet, and I keep picking up messages during the show. So sorry Stop about that. Stop being so but popular, then, Chris. I'm, I can't help it. People people do have to get in touch with me. It's very important. <laughs> or something. Anyway, look, let's just get into the meat of the uh, discussion. Really, we've, we've talked about the lineup. Um, we got this to take it into the first half, and very early on, I, we all said on the way up on, on the me bus, I was traveling to the game, and we were talking about the fact that very early on, we're going to be under it. We really thought Cardiff. I mean, this is this was the logic anyway. Cardiff knew that they had to win that game because, and for us, a defeat wasn't the end of the world. We know we would it would be bad, but we'd still be we'd still be above them in the table and still in with a chance of staying up. So, and I genuinely felt that extra impetus should come from them because it was a it was a do or die moment, and unfortunately for them, they died. So. <laughs> um, But very early on in the game, they did put us under quite a lot of pressure. I think it was a bit scrappy at first, but uh, you, you sort of saw a few things early on. You, they had uh, Theophile Catherine. I hate Theophile. I've before. So that's I'll stop. Um, but he he was marking Jason Punch and sort of marking him much more noticeably in the um, in the second half, but certainly in the first half. Right, I think yeah, Chris is gone. Chris is gone again. You may have noticed there that he uh, he sort of paused. I thought it was for dramatic effect to start with, um, and then it wasn't. And then he sped up and talked really, really fast for about thirty seconds. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll try and get him back. He is still in this in this conversation, but I don't know if he's available to talk. But yeah, as he was, uh, he was talking about the first half um, and, and some early Cardiff pressure. I don't know if you you heard that from what he was saying, but uh, yeah, most, mm. mostly about. Oh, he is here because he's made a noise in my yeah. ear. But let's let's on. just see. Am I talking at the correct pace? Uh, ish. Carry on. Not liking this at all. I'm not liking my problems. 
I might try the actual internet again in a second. Uh, I'm going to hand over to let you guys speak about it then in a second. But um, this was just talking about purely pre-goal. I thought Cardiff were dangerous, and I think in particular Wolves Zaha looked like their most dangerous attacking threat. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I was worried about Zaha at the start of the game, to be honest. There were a few moments of and I said that he, I thought Zara had the better of, of Ward in the opening exchanges but as the game went on uh, I thought Ward sort of grew into it and we spoke to about that with Steve Parrish a, a few minutes ago uh, which led on to the Ward for England debate but yeah so you know everyone rates Ward everyone knows Ward is a fantastic defender whether he's a right back left back centre midfield um, but yeah I thought we dealt with the early Cardiff pressure well um, as we're playing on the break at, at the start of the game um, but we had chances, you know, and I don't think Cardiff were ever in the game more than we were in the game. Stuart, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't at the game, so I had the uh, privilege of following it via either Steve Claridge on Five Live or Phil Thompson on Sky. So you can imagine how my Saturday afternoon went. Um, <laughs> but it was, um, no, I mean, from, you know, from what I gathered and obviously I was also following on Twitter, I mean, nothing nothing really troubled us apart from, as you say, Ben, at Zaha at the beginning, I thought he got into the game quite well. And I thought, oh, God, he's going to give us trouble for the 90 minutes. But he just faded. And um, as much as he was getting the better of Joel Ward in the opening exchanges, I mean, Walled more than matched him and by the end of the game you know he just had him in his pocket before he was substituted so um i guess you know for, for Wald it was it was quite a good you know experience for him because obviously he trained with zaha last season and pretty much knew his strengths and his weaknesses so i guess for for, for Wald it was it was a game he's looking forward to but i you know from 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 what I heard and, and what I saw on Twitter, it was, an, and obviously the highlights are, are later on in the day, it, it, I think we, you know, we thoroughly deserve what we got out of that game. And, and the longer the game game went on, the, the weaker Cardiff got due to us, really. Mm, yeah, and on Twitter as well, Cardiff fans really sort of uninspired by Zaha throughout that the whole game. Um, you know, that one of them, one tweet I saw uh, sort of put Ledley and Zaha in the same box and, and said that Ledley, the next Cardiff player, looked... Fantastic, was doing everything right, whereas Zaha was just posing for, for Palace fans and well, they didn't like that at all. Alex? Scapegoat, wasn't it, Ben, really? You know, it's an excuse for being absolutely abysmal and having an arrogant manager that really does not have a clue. Uh, you know, Boom. he clapped the Palace fans because they sang his name. You can't, you, that, that's just normal, that's natural, any player does that. But they just, they're, they're pathetic and I'm sorry, I've had arguments with Cardiff fans on here before, but grow up. Please, for your own <laughs> sake. We've just got it's a good not, player at your hands. It, Don't go around saying he's useless when he's our, by far your best player. Has our friend from Cardiff been on tonight, by the way? No, no, Stuart, he's, he hasn't, unfortunately. Oh, um, sad, sad. No, I was going to bait him with an email earlier, but to be honest with you, who, who wants to hear from him? You know, No, I, obviously I've only caught the tail end of that, but I thought that might get to the, the subject of discussion. They were really, really harsh on, on Will, particularly on their forums as well. It was... Um, it's horrible to see because I don't think I don't think that they appreciate him. They really don't. And you know, you, you think any decent football fan can see what a player he is. You know, and he needs to run a game. I always said this about Wilf when he was at Palace in that the worst thing you could ever do is when we used to give him a rest every now and then. It's the worst thing you can do because he needs he needs ten games to get up and running fully. It's you know it's it's ridiculous really but um, yeah so I mean that was all that was all pre-goal I think really um, but you know they they certainly were threatened you'd expect that in the home game but but the quality of delivery wasn't there for them they didn't create anything really meaningful I mean Campbell nearly got in a couple of times but 
Uh, and there was that header. I think it actually came off a, of a Palace defender in the end. I think it might have been off a Delaney or something like that. Uh, the Jules had to scramble down. That was very early in the game. But other than, I think it's probably their best chance in the match, funnily enough. Um, so after that, I mean, after a sort of, you know, the, the early stages of the, the um, you know, the, the first half, we, we got we got the goal. Uh, Punchin had got in a couple of times and they didn't really heed the warning from from the fact that he was up for that game and, and put, sort of carried on where he left off against Chelsea. He was finding, sort of buzzing around and trying to find little pockets of space, trying to get away from his marker. And when he did get away, it was it was after Joe Ledley sort of, well, he broke a little bit, and then he sort of put his foot on the ball and just took a bit of a while to pick the right pass. And and Taylor, their uh, fullback, didn't really follow um, Punchin properly; just dropped off him. And he had all the time in the world to pick a spot, and and it was just so well worked. It was a sign of the confidence that's back in the side. Do you think that that was as a confidence goal, Ben? Yeah, definitely. I think we just we grew and grew, and in the end, the goal was coming. Really, um, we looked good. Punchin, when Punchin is good, Punchin is great. I mean, he, he can be quite frustrating, as can Balassi uh, on the other side. But, yeah, Punchin can look absolutely brilliant. And Steve mentioned it on the phone a while ago, you know, that, that Punchin is a great player and that, you know, that we really should be raving about him because he, he's looking great. And it's, it's brilliant that we've done that deal and, and got him on a permanent contract because I think he's a player that, that can do great things for us and, and be big for not just this season, but next season and the season after that. Mm. And Stuart, I mean, your views on, on, on that, that opening goal. Uh, I mean, obviously came at a, a pretty decent time in the first half as well. I mean, uh, at that point, did you think that maybe, I mean, do you think that the game was ours? Did you see Cardiff coming back from it? Um, yes. I, no, I, I didn't think they would come back from it at all. I mean, I, you know, we, we, we went one up and that certainly wasn't against the run of play. I, you know, from what I'd heard, it was, you know, it was a case of Cardiff had, a, had you know, had, had a few chances, but we, we were looking probably more dangerous on, on the counter-attack. Um, and so, you know, it didn't really come as a surprise to me when we took the lead. Um, and from what I, you know, I saw and heard, it, Cardiff pretty much, apart from the penalty shout that they had early in the second half, Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really offer anything other uh, other than other than that uh, once the first yeah. goal went in. But you know, going back to punching, I mean, I think he's a uh, you know Ben mentioned about the you know he's you know when he's got the um, the confidence, he's a good player. But I think that also works with with how the team is playing for punching. If the team's got confidence, then then punching it you know can show what he's got. And you know mm-hmm. he was he was absolutely electric um, yesterday. I mean, you know Phil Thompson was you know singing his praises on Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, what I saw on match of the day um last night um he he's he's pretty much a key player for us i think for the rest of the season um and i can't i you know sadly i can't see tom getting a game for palace at the moment which is which which is bizarre to be honest no considering it is it's funny in a, in a way but in some ways when you make a signing it it's it is for that kind of reason it in some you do tend to to get a player to come into the side and make a difference but sometimes them coming into the squad is the thing that makes the difference, and I think that's the case for Tom Ince. I think that he's he's spurred a couple of people on. Um, obviously, Yannick, Yannick Balassi is one who's been playing brilliantly, and we'll be talking to, to Yannick a little bit later on today. But um, he, he's one who's responded excellently to, to having a bit more competition, and you know he's he's giving it. You know he's given a fantastic performance for like he usually get 60, 70 minutes while he's you know he's most effective, and then and Pulis uses uses him to to alter the tactics and. And then it, it's just great to see Punchin, you know, producing consistency now. I think we all talk, 
he, he was struggling a little bit early in the season, I think that's, it's fair to say. Um, he, and he was intended to be the scapegoat in a lot of games, but or the escaped goat, as Tom, our producer, actually put on to actually put on Twitter. He actually put that. Unbelievable. But um, he, uh, <laughs> but but he's now he's now. I mean, that performance. Uh, we we will we'll talk man of the match, but he was just. There's, there's no one got close to it and in a in a fantastic quality team performance no one got close to his individual performance in my view he's absolutely on fire a uh, terrific player but that yeah like i say that finish that's a sign of a confident player who'd, who'd had a couple of chances maybe one or two arguably he could have done better than, than shoot it straight at the keeper but took his time put it through the legs of the defender keeper didn't move one nil and i i honestly i was ho- i was thought that cardiff would would respond certainly the rest of the first half and into the second, but they certainly didn't. They didn't have any kind of real proper response to us, uh, and I think our wide players did scare them. Um, you know, I think I think that their fullbacks, in my view, are are a weakness. They're not bad players, but but they're where they're probably the most sort of championship level players, in my view. Uh, they get sort of sucked into going forwards. They sometimes forget their defensive responsibilities. Their positioning is a little off. They get su- they come in narrow sometimes. Sometimes they leave a man completely unmarked. That sort of stuff. That's where they're shaky, in my view. And I think we scared the hell out of them in, in the wide positions. Um, and and so the, the last bit I wanted to say on the first half really was that that Kenwin Jones really did give our defence a hard time. Um, he, he was backing in all the time. The ref let him get away with it quite a lot. Uh, there was one point where he was he was leaning so far far back he was almost horizontally lying sort of in mid air if you like well, I mean using Delaney to support himself but the ref let him do it and for a while I was a bit worried there but our defence is just it's, again I've talked before I don't think they get the credit they deserve they were absolutely just brilliant yesterday totally brilliant and Jones again he's a little bit Cameron Jerome in that he's not a massive goal threat but but really does create a lot through just being physical and, and he, you know, he ran at the defence a bit. But we stood strong and, and Cardiff didn't really create. So um, into the into that second half, the start of the start of the second half, I think there was a early sort of push forward from Cardiff. But you're talking about two minutes of play, and then we just went up a gear. Um, Punchin, as we talked about, just buzzed around and didn't really, um, you know, didn't give the ball away and. And I just don't think that anything really happened of any real note for Cardiff other than that penalty shout. So let, let's talk about that. Um, KG came in, and I didn't really see this until I watched the goals on Sunday coverage. I'd watched the match of the day coverage. I was at the game, obviously, and I, I, I didn't think... I, I saw him go for the shot, and I thought, basically, he's just kicked kicked KG as he brought his foot back to kick the shot. But he did. KG did catch his uh, leg while it was still planted on the floor. Um, I honestly think, had that been... At the other end, I honestly think I would have been disappointed not to get it. And I think it was a penalty, and I think it would have come at a very, very crucial time. Ben, you had a slightly different view. Yeah, I d- personally didn't think it was a penalty. It was slightly clumsy positioning from KG in that he was behind the player, but there wasn't too much he could have done. I don't think... I, I, you've sort of made me hesitate on my point a little bit, saying that he did catch him. But from, from the position that I saw, I've seen it on matches there a few times. Uh, I think it was the right decision from the referee. It's difficult in the position that he's in because he, his view's blocked. Um, but yeah, I personally would have been disappointed if it had been given. Obviously, if, if it was up the other end, like you say, and it had been given, uh, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have questioned it at all and I probably would have said it was a penalty. But yeah, in my opinion, uh, it wasn't. Fair days. What did you think? Uh, Stuart, you seen the incident? I, I saw the incident. Um, 
it wasn't given and to be honest i didn't even think about looking at it again to be honest it, it looked like for me that he'd fallen over and I've, I've only looked at it once to be honest but you saying what you're saying chris it's mm. maybe you've seen a little bit more than i did um but yeah i mean maybe it was down the other end i probably i probably have had a look looked more than once but as far as i'm concerned that referee was fantastic yesterday <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a weird one i was going to talk about that a little bit later and maybe i will mention it again a little bit later on but uh, it's funny the referee had a, always seems to have a good game when you uh, when you end up three new winners of course but, of course um but yeah i, I I did think that he was influenced by the Cardiff fans a couple of times. I think they um, they did sort of do their usual thing of just, I nearly said bleating. That would have been bad, wouldn't it? Of, um, they used to do the usual thing of sort of making this weird screaming noise uh, every time there was an almost contentious challenge. And, and the sure, referee, it was far. Sharp, don't, 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 don't. It's not right. <laughs> um, we've been tweeted saying that Chris Hewton's been sacked. Just thought I'd mention that now. Um, Seems a very odd time to be sacking a manager. Okay, they've been awful, but there's literally one game left that they that's, that they could identify as winnable for them. They're in a real bit of trouble. I think the sacking should have come a bit earlier, shouldn't it, Ben? Yeah, it's worth definitely worth talking about. It's rare that on a late Sunday evening we get a talking point as big as this. So, especially mm. when it, it you know it could be quite important to Palace's season as well because Norwich are down there and look like they're especially with their running that they could come close to getting sacked. So. Yeah, as you say, very, very weird time for them to be sacking their manager, you know, especially, you know, you've, got, you've now got to bring in a new man um, who doesn't know anything about the club, or unless they, they're going to keep, uh, you know, the assistant manager on. I haven't, don't, obviously don't know the full extent of what they've done, but, yeah, you know, you've got four really, really hard games to finish the season, getting a new manager, and he's not going to, you know, he's not going to win those. Alex is just saying that Neil Adams is in charge. Um, any guesses as to who that is? You know, he's a, he's a Norwich legend. The Norwich oh, okay. legend, youth uh, coach, and he's been there in and around. So, but Colin Caldwood, the assistant manager and first team coach, have both gone as well. So, it's a big yeah. change. Well, yeah, I, obviously me, Norwich. Norwich gone. Sorry, gone. Well, the Norwich fans were were really calling for it at the weekend when they had their plastic clappers and they were throwing them at Chris <laughs> at the end. But that's really the first time this season they've really started to turn on the manager, and you know, and mm. potentially a knee jerk reaction from the board there. To yeah. me, that speaks that speaks volumes that they, they think they're down. To be honest, it's um, they're already preparing for next season in the championship. I think because if they could have waited till the end of the Fulham game to see where they are, because after that they've got four games that they, you know, no one would think they'll win. Well, uh, no, one, no one would have thought we'd won against Chelsea. Though, no, true. So they, they, no, they'll true. see they'll see the two home games of those as, as a chance to get if they've got the crowd behind them and they've got a, you know maybe with a different voice in the changing room they can maybe get something. But it is certainly the last throw of the dice, and it's. It's a it's an odd one, really. That you know, that's a decision that if they were thinking of making that change, and you would hope it's not a rea- reactionary change because there's enough of that in football. So, if they were thinking about making that change at some point, that that decision decision should have been made an awful lot sooner. So, I don't want to dwell on that because we've got Yannick Galassi coming up very soon, and we don't want to don't want to be late for that, do we? So, um, let, let's get the mo- let's get this dis- match discussion uh, sorted. Hmm. So I lost my ability to talk and ended up saying the word sorted there. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks. There it is. So uh, anyway. I, just I thought you about... said our Cardiff fan hasn't been in touch today. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> um, so we just talked about that Cardiff penalty shout and um, how that was a key moment, really. And, and not not too long after that, we started to make a few changes. Tony Pugh sort of picked up on the, uh, the need to sort of create... Well, to sort of build on the fact that we had been starting, we were starting to dominate the game, and he brought Marouane Schumacher on 
and uh, and the man was just absolute class. I talked earlier in the season. I sort of almost mocked myself for saying it, and I got a little bit of support from from Twitter for saying it. But I thought Chamac, as a techni- you know, in terms of technical ability, is up there with the very best that I've seen in a Palace shirt, and and I included um, the likes of uh, Atilio Lombardo in that. I just think he's that sort of class, and he's really starting to show it. He's enjoying his football. Um, and you saw what we were missing in some ways when he came on. Um, I think it was harsh that, that Yannick had to go off, but um, like I say, that, that seems to be the tactical decision that, um, that Tony Pulis is making. And if it was a choice of well, the wide players between uh, Blassi and Punchin, you, you can see that the that, that Punchin was having, or pretty much having the game of his life. So understandable in some ways. And, and you know, Yannick Blassi had done his job very, very well and stretched the Cardiff defence all over the place. and Jurak came on, it pushed Joe Ledley out to, to left sort of left wing and got him more involved up sort of in, in attacking areas. But it was a corner that the goal came from. Uh Chumak got got his head to it and good save. Um good save by the keeper. Marshall's probably been one of the stronger keepers in the division. Uh, and he has to be behind that defence and got a hand to it but just couldn't stop Joe Ledley bundling it in. And it was a weird one at the game for us because Obviously, Ledley didn't celebrate. A lot of the players looked over to see if he was offside. There was a few hands up. And we cheered, and then we stopped cheering, and then we cheered. It was just really quite odd. It felt almost surreal. But, um, it, yeah, obviously, that put it 2-0. And you just saw the Cardiff heads drop. And that's why I think that they're down. Um, I think whatever whatever else happens this season, Cardiff are down because the confidence is just too fragile. Uh, you go 2-0 down to us. You know, they're at home. They should have their fans behind them. They should be. They should know the importance of that game. But at that point, they were beaten. There was no way back, and we just took the absolute Michael after that. Completely, uh, there was Olays. There was lovely one-touch football. Um, it was just. It was just brilliant to see. Um, Ben, I'm going to talk to you about about that goal a, a bit. Really, the lack of celebration. Really, and you had a point to make on that. Yeah, no, I was I was completely fine with the fact that he didn't celebrate. Like you say, it made it a bit confusing to the Palace fans there whether it, whether it counted or not. But you know, when you look back, uh, I, I'd like to think that despite Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's calls, Zaha wouldn't have celebrated if he had scored. Uh, thankfully, he didn't anyway. But yeah, I mean, you see it quite a bit. Players not celebrating, and it just shows a real, you know, some real class from the player to do that. They mentioned it on Match of the Day. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a classy thing for Ledley to do, and you know, if he scores next week. Absolutely, definitely, will celebrate. But um, yeah, Joe led a fantastic goal as well. You have to say, poor, really, really poor defending to allow Shamak the free header. But Ledley, right place, right time, and he's bundled the ball into back of net and, and essentially won the game. I have to say as well, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, in my opinion, is an absolutely diabolical manager, and I don't know why Cardiff have, have decided to bring him in. Completely unproven in the Premier League, it's quite a dra- quite a drastic opinion, I, I have to say. But yeah, I don't think that. In, in the position that they're in, fighting for Premier League survival, you can get a, a man like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in who hasn't got mm-hmm. much experience. You know, you might have the backing of Sir Alex Ferguson at Man United, but yeah, no, absolutely nowhere they staying up with him in charge. He, um, he well, puts me. Seen, oh. Just going to say, have you seen who runs the club? So I don't know why it surprises <laughs> you too much. Yeah, um, he puts me in mind of when Tony Adams found his way into management at Portland. <laughs> he just had he just had this look in his eyes as if. Um, you know, you see the David Moyes picture. It says, "I don't know what I'm doing," and he's sitting yeah. there, <laughs> wild, wild staring eyes. It's, it puts me in mind of that. You know, Solskjaer looks almost shell shocked. Uh, you know, sort of in pre-match interviews, he's got this sort of. He's trying to give an air of confidence, but mm. he, unfortunately, he doesn't seem to make any sense while he's saying it. And I think it just shows you the difference in decision between between us appointing Tony Pulis 
and the sides around us are pointing people who just don't know the league and don't know the players that they're working with them. You know, it, it's almost, I don't know what, I think when we looked at it, I think when we looked at the managerial options, and let's not forget a lot of us were, were a bit fearful of appointing Pulis and the likes of Solskjaer, as mentioned, and uh, Karanka, who's now at Middlesbrough, and things like that. And we did think along those lines, and you can see why you can get drawn into thinking like that. But I think, I think again, what, the benefit of hindsight has taught us, and what really the benefit of foresight. 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 Quiet. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> um, should actually, we should have, should have been a bit more aware. That's what I'm trying to say. That that was the the sensible decision. Picking someone who knows the league, knows how to get the best out of players, and we're we're reaping the benefit of that. And not only that, the fears that we had about Pulis. Okay, some of them, you know, the, the, at the moment, Johnny Williams has found himself out out of the squad, and that's something that we feared. Um, but the type of football that we're playing, the second half against Cardiff, we played some of the best football I've, I've seen this season from, from any team. It was excellent. Uh, and that is the joy of having a confident team. And that's what he's, the main thing he's done is, is he's made those players, he's given them the togetherness and the belief in themselves and each other to go, go out and play a bit of football. And, OK, two games ago against Newcastle, we weren't terrible, but we, we looked out of ideas going forwards. And there's a huge difference between that and the game against Cardiff. So, okay, you, you could you can sort of point to sort of some warning signs, but you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to get this dragged down on a negative. I thought we were excellent. Um, let's talk about the third goal very quickly because we've got not not long now. So we need to talk to Yannick Bellassi. <coughs> to Max Dummy, you could hear uh, Tony Pulis screaming from the sidelines. You know, don't stop playing the simple pass. I think is what he was saying. Um, and a simple pass was played into Chamak, but um, he decided not to do the simple thing. Stepped over the ball, straight to the feet of Punchin. Punchin looked up, knocked it to one side, and what a goal! What a curler! You know, it's one of those things. It was just a beautiful moment. You, second he hit it, you knew it was a goal. You all up celebrating and just hands in the air, screaming our heads off. It was just beautiful, beautiful moment. And um, I thought it'd be, I thought it was goal of the season. Um, ben, you disagree? <laughs> yeah, I hadn't even really considered it as as goal of the season until you mentioned it. I have since you you said that. Look back at it, and it is a it is a fantastic goal. You have to say that. Mm. The more you watch it, the better it gets. And I do think you don't ask me which goals are better because I won't can't tell you on the spot. But I don't. <laughs> I think we've scored better goals. But yeah, as you say, that fantastic dummy from from Shamak and then Punchin. Well, sums up his game really. Um, just you know the, the whole performance from him was brilliant, and that topped it off you know fantastic effort Marshall was well Marshall is a fantastic goalkeeper but he couldn't get anywhere near it um so yeah I, I agree that it was a fantastic goal but maybe not quite goal of the season I when I said goal of the season I mean goal of the season for us but you think we've scored we think we scored better I mean Gale is the one that sort of springs to mind yeah Gale Gale's probably mine um but I, I think Punchins was better was was a shade better just because I just just thought the curl on it was just amazing uh what do you think Stuart um, again, like Ben, I didn't. Uh, I hadn't even considered it as goal of the season. It was a good goal, very good goal, and it's very. You really very hadn't scored that many. <laughs> no, I know, but th- 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 there was two that immediately sprung to mind when once you mentioned that as a goal of the season that I thought were better. Um, one was obviously Gale, she just mentioned against Villa, and the other was O'Keefe against Sunderland. Oh yeah, yeah, glorious goal. One it's a swinger. <laughs> yeah, I know how much I love O'Keefe, but but you know, a swing, I swinger with his wrong foot and uh, <laughs> exactly. But so, uh, yeah, I, I thought. 
I don't want to do injustice to Punching Skull at all because it was, you know, it was a fabulously well taken, well taken goal, and and it's up there. But for me, it, it not quite goal of our goal of our season at the moment. It was a it was a lovely moment to to sort of sign off the win in a, a stadium where we've got absolutely nothing. Um, okay, let, last little bit. I was going to talk about tactics and the referee, but I think we've sort of done that all the way through. So we'll, we'll roll those out for the last sort of couple of minutes before we go and talk to Yannick. Um, I just wanted to point out a couple of things that I picked out for performances, really. Uh, and I'll give you a ch- chance to say a couple of similar things, chaps. Um, the, uh, the I thought KG had his best game in ages. To me, he looks that little fraction leaner. He looks a bit more of the sort of build when he was played. Uh, everyone remembers the game against Charlton where he scored the winner there. Uh, you know, and uh, he's he's starting to look a lot better. I thought it was his best game in ages, certainly. Um, I thought Jednak was solid again. Couple of weak passes, but also you know did well in in Lincoln's play and his usual solid self. I think Scott Dan was excellent. Um, him and him and Delaney, as we talked about before, formidable partnership. But um, but man of the match for me. Um, I, sorry, I forgot, forgot to mention Joe Ward again playing. Remember, he's really good to remember he's playing out of position sometimes. Left back. Looks terrific there. Um, but Jason Punchin, man of the match by a, a country mile for me. Um, Stuart, yours, and then Ben and Alex. Um, I'll go with Punchin, but I, you know, I just I want to give credit to the defence, really. Um, it's been a fabulous effort since Pulis came in. Um, we, we've kept nine out of 22 clean sheets. I mean, that is, you know, for a, a team that's been threatened with relegation, that is, that is an incredible statistic. Um, and you know, full credit's got to go to that def- defence for 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 the reasons that it's given confidence to players like Punchin to to go out there and express themselves and and do what they can do when they, you know, when they've got the self assurance of four and a, a magnificent goalkeeper behind them that's that's you know that's completely switched on and doing their job and you know we, we all know how brilliant Sproni was last week against Chelsea he wasn't called into much action yes uh, last week but uh, sorry yesterday but that's mainly because of the two in front of him um, Dan and uh, Delaney so you know I think that all for all five of that that defensive unit is you know is is, is contender for man of the match for every game at the moment. No, you go, Chris. I was going to say, it's a very fair point. And then I was going to mention that a tweet made me laugh from Simon Goddard. He says, goal of the season was John Terry right in front of the homestyle, which uh, cheered me up. Ben, you go. Yeah, you've got to be careful not to, to go through every player in the team in a game like yesterday, because it's one of those performances uh, where every player uh, it has been fantastic. You know, they've all done their job. They've all done it brilliantly well. Um, you know, and there's so many options for man of the match, but I'd have to agree that, yeah, punching uh, was sort of above and beyond. The, the two goals helped, I suppose, but, yeah, you know, even disregarding that, just everything that he did was was brilliant. Um, the the two centre-backs as well, you know, people, when when Dan came in, uh, were saying about uh, it was quite difficult should Gabadon have been dropped, but really that's been proven that Pulis made exactly the right decision, as he has done on plenty, plenty of other mm. occasions this season. All right, Ben, you're going to have to shut up now because we're going to go and talk to Yannick Bellassi. Um, we'll have a few clips while we do it, while we're, we're getting in touch, and we'll be back very, very shortly with the man himself. I can't let this carry on. What? This is no way to enjoy music. Your broadband is the worst thing to happen to music since Garage. I need to make it stop. I mean, start. You deserve better than this. But won't we see a fiber optic cause loads? I'll tell you what, I'll buy it for you. Do that for me. 
I can't and I won't live in a world where it takes the woman I love umpteen hours to listen to her favourite song. The BT Broadband Sale. Fibre Optic Infinity, £7.50 for the first six months. Cheers, London. See the stars of tomorrow, today. Crazy Pine looks a fantastic ball to Banton. He's given it off side. I'm not so sure. That was a very close call. Live commentary from all home development games. Only on Homestale Radio. Homesdale Radio is brought to you in association with CompleteSigns.co.uk for all your sign-based needs. To receive a genuine 10% discount, mention you are listening to Homesdale Radio and get in touch today. Sorry about that. Now we're now we're live. I think. Um... Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh dear, unbelievable. Sorry, mate. Hey, listen. Thanks for joining us. Obviously, first of all, yeah, no what a uh, yeah. what a great result yesterday. Yeah, uh, another good result for the team, you know. But um, it's not it's not finished yet, you know. We've still got another big game at Aston Villa. So hopefully we can get something at home again and then really look forward to playing in the Premiership next season. Yeah, uh, fair point. Uh, anyway, um, we've got a, got a set of questions for you. Um, yeah, I'm cool. just trying to, trying to find them now. We'll try not to keep you too long, mate. But um, obviously, we're no, very, ex- very excited to have you on the show. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay, so, yeah, very beginning. You were, you were playing non-league for Hillingdon Borough. Uh, you took a bit of a punt. You went over to Malta, I think it was, to play in, there you go, Floriana in 2007. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So... What was that? What was that decision all about? Uh, to sort of to suddenly go and take a chance out there. Why did Why did you do that? Well, I wasn't doing nothing over here, was I? I was playing semi pro <laughs> football, so that opportunity come to play Malta sounded good, you know. And obviously, um, before I went out there, I just googled, and it, it seemed alright. And obviously, I was going to be playing football a lot of the time, and to be getting paid to play football as a bonus. So I went out there. And I actually really enjoyed it. Mm. And what's the what's the standard like out there? It's very hot. Um, football <laughs> is bit, uh, it's very hot. Firstly, uh, the football tempo is not nowhere near as quick as the English game, you know. But you know, technical ability. There's big up. There's players out there that have got a lot of ability. Mm. Yeah, okay. Okay, and then yeah, Yannick, you from there you got a trial at Plymouth, and you came back to England. You say about that? Yeah, tempo, from, well, from there, um, I I went to um, Sturm Gretz first, you know. Okay. They they offered me a four year contract, but I decided oh. to come back in England, you know, because I always wanted to play back back in England, and um, the agent at the time got me a trial at Plymouth, and I done a two week trial. That was after them seeing a video of me playing, actually. So I think oh. they wanted to see if the video was real. So <laughs> I up, yeah, I ended up doing a two a two week trial, and then obviously um, signed over there. Did okay. you? I think it was at Plymouth. Did you score the like? I think it was a winning goal against Exeter or something. Was it? Just sort of smashed it in from long range. I'm trying to remember. They absolutely. I know Plymouth. No, I, was, I, I, I scored a couple. Yeah. A couple of long ranges at Plymouth, to be fair, but. Yeah, um, no, I don't. I didn't. I didn't score any against Exeter. No. All right. No, I my memory's not quite what it was, mate. Sorry, <laughs> but you did. Um, you you went on from there. You went on to Bristol City, didn't you? Which is obviously where where you joined us. You got Young Player of the Year there. But uh, what what was yeah. the thinking? What was the thinking behind putting in a request in to move and and come to Palace? Well, I think what it was is um, 
I wasn't really playing at Bristol. I was a bit in and out at Bristol City, and I was mm. a bit of stop starting. It, it, it was hard to get going, and I was a bit like what Wilf's doing this season, stop start. It, it's hard yeah. to get going, and you can't really play the way you want to play, so it's difficult. So at the time I heard Palace were interested, there's no option but to come back. And obviously, yeah. um, Palace is in London as well. And Dougie Freeman put in a lot of confidence in me, you know, telling me that um, he was going to play me, give me games. And obviously, um, he saw me a similar player to Wolf and mm. that he could he could see something special building. And, you know, it really sucked me in. And obviously, when I came, you know, it proved as well. Yeah, I did not. I've always wanted to ask this actually because when when you joined, obviously, like it was very much Dougie seemed to see you and Wilf as a partnership, didn't he? And like yeah. I noticed, you 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 guys started wearing like the same armbands and stuff like that. Was that all deliberate to like, you know? No, no, no. There's a lot of battle going on. You know, it wasn't deliberate. I, I always wore armbands, but Wilf always wore them too. You know. Mm. But yeah, there was a lot of banter flying around in the changing room. Like everyone saying, "Ah, oh, you're wearing the same boots, <laughs> doing the same skills, you're wearing the armbands and gloves." So a lot of banter was flying around, which which was healthy as well, you know. At the time, yeah, when um, we started winning and stuff, you know, so it was just good banter, and obviously um, the the good vibes went right through the changing room. Yeah, when you joined in. When you joined in August uh, 2012, Yannick, things obviously gone from yeah. strength to strength from there. Um, Dougie Freeman was the manager. When you got there, what did he say that the team's expectations were? Because a lot of fans really would have been happy with a mid-table finish. Was it a bit more positive from a player's perspective? Um, I, I, don't, I don't really think... I think the expectation really was to get out the, the, the bottom half of the table, really, because I think by then we would have played three games and lost three. And then I came in at Middlesbrough, we lost that game, and then from there we took off. And then when we started winning games, it was like we, we kind of knew we had something special there, you know. We had uh, Mille and KG in there breaking up stuff. Then obviously Glenn was scoring, and then me and Wolf was up and down the wing. And obviously Damo Delaney, we some good players last season, you know. Like last season was a special season, you know. Mm. No, yeah, you know, you're right. It was a special season, and yeah, it was a bit, yeah, just a bit. I almost just felt like we were destined to go up. Like there's yeah. everything. Like even when we lost a bit of form, no one seemed to sort of pull away from us or anything like that. It was um. No, we we, we stayed in the top the the top six once mm. we got in it. We didn't come out. So no. Um, but I mean, obviously, you did lose lose Dougie halfway through the season to Bolton, mm. and 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 Ian Holloway came in. Uh, we, we've yeah. talked to a few people. Like we talked to to Peter Ramage about it and all that sort of stuff. He said it wasn't wasn't hugely different for yourself. Was there a big change when when Ian Holloway came in? Well, we, it didn't matter at the start really because we we were just playing the way we could, and obviously we went away to Leicester with L- Lenny and oh, Curtis, oh, wasn't it? And Curtis, yeah. yeah, yeah. Curtis Fleming took over. You know, we we still playing the same. Obviously. Um, in Holloway coming, he had a different style of of play, you know, and was um, trying to mould us in really quick, which um, was a bit hard to adapt, especially for the wingers, because he wanted the wingers to do certain things, you know. And we were me and Wolf weren't really used to doing that because we we weren't doing that from the start of the season, so it was, it was a bit hard. It took a while to adapt, 
but yeah. at the end of the day, it was all right. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's definitely true. We at the end of the day, we did we did win through the playoffs itself. I mean, that was that seemed the moment where you know the, all the confusion sort of went, and we had a we had that obviously that first leg against sort of Brighton, uh, but yeah. the second leg was all when it all clicked. What what do you think yeah. the difference was? Why did it click in the playoffs? I don't know. I think it was the. Re- I think I think it was just getting over the finishing line. You know, when we yeah. when we beat Peterborough and uh, Millet scored the the last goal. You know, we we kind of that gave us a, sh- a straight away a confidence boost because we were going for a losing patch yeah. up until then, and then we just got back that confidence, and we kind of knew like we had it. Yeah, it was beautiful against Brighton, wasn't it? The celebrations at the end there looked amazing. It was almost as good as the final in, in a way. Well, for us in the away end, it was probably better than the final, but it was a really ni- nice thing to do. Did you re- did you get that side of it from the fans, you know, because of the rivalry with Brighton? Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, um, you, could, you, you, could feel, you could feel that the fans um, wanted to win, you know, and obviously when Wolf scored that second goal, you know, you know the scenes, thinking about it now, you know, the word can't explain. The word can't explain. You know, it's it's just like it's a blur right now. To be fair. <laughs> no, it's a magical <laughs> moment. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. All right. And obviously, you didn't get to play in that Wembley final. But how incredible was just the whole occasion of that day, going to Wembley, being in the change rooms? What was that like for you, especially growing up pretty near Wembley as well? Yeah, obviously, um, hard. Um, it's tough when you don't play at Wembley, especially when you live around the corner and you've grown up in the shadow, but. You know, the main thing was getting to the Premier League, you know. Yeah. We had a couple of chances to put the game away. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't think Watford really played that good that day. But, you know, as a whole unit with the supporters, you know, it was unbelievable, you know, just watching for the bench. Even when I was warming up, just looking around, it's crazy. Yeah, it really was. It's a memorable, memorable moment. But like I said, it, it really did feel like it, we were destined to go up that, that whole time. Yeah. Um, so moving on to... to to this season as someone in the background yeah. seemed to drop a microphone um so <laughs> it wasn't perhaps the greatest of starts for you, for yourself and the team you got injured training pre-season how frustrating was that for you that you couldn't make your debut yeah, yeah it was very frustrating but when i'm thinking about it now i didn't really have a rest you know yeah. we, we, we had the playoffs we went all the way to may then soon enough i had in like three international games for congo and i come back we only had like a two-week rest, I think. So, you know, thinking, looking back at it to the start of the season, it was I was only going to get injured, you know, if I carried on playing. You know, so yeah. I don't, I don't really think about the injury too tough. But I look at it as as if I was I was tired, you know. So it kind of spoiled my run, obviously because I, I didn't start the season with the boys and stuff, which I wanted to. But you know, that's football. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, ben? Yeah, most professional footballers, Yannick, will have been to a Premier League game, but you said that the first game of the season against Spurs was your first ever live Premier League game. Is there a specific reason yeah. for that, or is that just how it worked out, obviously, no, being a professional it, it, player it, it, most it, Saturdays? It's just, it's just how it's panned out, you know. That was my first game um, with my little one as well, you know. So that oh. was his first game as well. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just how it's panned out. I mean, I've been, I wasn't... I didn't really go to stadiums and stuff like that. I didn't really... Like to get tickets and all of that stuff, they weren't brought up with that kind of luxury. So I weren't that lucky yeah. where someone, I knew people in a professional game. Nice, so 
been for myself really and contacts have been made for myself now mm. and what did you make of it your first experience then well we we did we did well as a team yeah. you know i i enjoyed it I, I thought we definitely could have got something at tottenham yeah. and then also gave me belief you know because obviously at that time that was the first time i ever seen tottenham play live and the only time i see them play on tv um, yeah. was on tv and i expected them to be like um, a different standards, but well, we played well, you know, and we were lucky not to get anything in that game. Do you do that when you're watching games? Do you ever look at the fullbacks and think, you know, I could definitely beat him, definitely beat that one, you know? Yeah, I, do, I always, I always look at that, you know. That's the main yeah. thing. For a winger, you've got to look at that, and I look at, I'm looking at that game by game, you know, towards the end of the season. That's what I always look at, you know, because yeah. obviously I'm gonna come up against them, so I look at their weaknesses and things they don't like. Yeah, we've definitely, definitely made an impact since you come in. Uh, talking of making a, a, an impact, what what was it like when Tony Pulis came in? You, you know, you spoke at the start of the season about how positive Ian Holloway was and he's all, he was yeah. a buzzing, you know, he's that sort of busy character. Obviously, Tony seems to be a very different character, but he's got to be doing something, right? No, um, I think the gas, the gas is, for me, is ledge anyways, because obviously yeah. like, he, he, um, he encourages the wingers to... Um, do what they do best, but obviously wants you to work hard coming back defensively as well. You know, I, I don't think, I think, and I think everyone's recognizing that. Like as a unit now, it's it's hard to break us down because the wingers get back in and help the fullbacks, and um, the person that plays number ten drops in and helps the midfield. Okay. Yeah, we're obviously speaking to you off the back of two fantastic wins against Chelsea and Cardiff, and you're playing regular Premier League football, so it must be a pretty good time to be Anik Balassi. How have you found the last couple of weeks? I think the last couple of weeks, uh, I've caught the form that I've wanted to catch from the start of the season, but it don't just come like that, you know. Um, you have to play a couple of games until you can come to your best, and right now I think I think I've caught that form, and obviously, I ain't really I ain't scored no goals this season. But the main thing is for me is keeping the team up, and you know the goals. The goals for me, I'm not going to worry about that because personally, I know that they're going to come. You know, it's, it's only a matter of time. Mm. Well, I don't know, Ben. Were you going to ask that follow-up question there, or do you want me to do it? Sorry, sorry, Yannick. I'll ask it. Yeah, no. Uh, obviously, yesterday, Yannick, you you played obviously against Cardiff and, and Wilfred Zaha. How, what was it like, obviously, knowing Wilf as well as you do? What was it like coming up against him? I I didn't really. Um, well, he was on my side, which which made me chuckle before the match, and I was thinking, <laughs> ah, yeah, cool. It's gonna be a good good game today, you know. But like, I think as soon as we got the first goal, really, you know, mm. their their heads dropped, you know, and then. When we got the second, they totally went, you know. But that's yeah. that's credit to to our team, you know, and the way we've been performing and the defence have been brilliant, especially Julian Peroni as well. Mm. He has he has been brilliant, Julian. But I mean, we, we're spoiled with him because he's brilliant every year. So <laughs> <laughs> um, that's interesting. I mean, I thought Wilf did pretty well for them, but he doesn't seem to have the, the backing of their fans. So, do you think that's a bit of a shame? Yeah. Um, well, apparently like, it was something to do, um, I don't know, I don't know if he, someone told me that he got booed up apparently, I'm not yeah. sure, is that true? 
Yeah, yeah, they reckon. Well, some of them say they were shouting noon instead of booing, but I don't, I don't really think that that sounds right. Uh, it's just, it's um, just a so shame because yeah, we, it, we love. Obviously, obviously, it is. You know, but yeah. saying that the season that Wolf had is not the season that he would have wished he had. You know, yeah. it's, it's been, it's been a lot of stops that he hasn't. He only played two games at Man United, and then come on, come on loan to Cardiff where. Because obviously what he's done last season and when he's played against Premiership teams, he's always done more. Everyone expects him to do what he did just like that. But as you said, you, you've got to play a couple of games until you get into that flow of what you want to do as a winger, especially for a winger like me and Wilf, you know, where we do a lot of tricks and we do loads of stuff to get past fullbacks. You, you need confidence, you know, and that comes with games. Yeah, no, it's just such a shame to see him to see him, you know, lacking lacking confidence. But at the same time, it's you know, obviously you you're a very confident person yourself. We've got a question in from uh, Tony Pearcey. He says that he sits in the the homestead and the fans around him get a real buzz when they see you jeering up the crowd. And usually when yeah. he won a when won a corner, he says, "How just how much does the crowd response spur you on?" Uh, and and he, do you think it could happen more? He says, "Do you think the, the fans could give you more?" I guess, but I don't know. Um, what? Say that again, sorry. Yeah, he's saying I, I don't know the question. He's, he's written quite a long question, and I was trying to yeah. <laughs> summarise it. Basically, he says that when they, when you get a corner in front of the homestand, you're always geeing up the crowd. And how much does their reaction to that sort of spur you on to perform? I think. Oh, um, massively. You know, a couple of ways I've gotten to me as well. Like, say, why are you always doing that? I said, yeah, you know, you obviously what the fans, the fans are already loud. You know, but it just yeah. brings that extra bit of atmosphere into the ground again, you know, where the players can feel it as well. And obviously I feel it, you know, mm. because it's, it's just a massive thing. It just gives you confidence again. Yeah, Tony's saying, like, obviously he sees you do that and the way that, that the crowd respond. He says, why do you think more players don't react with the crowd and try and, you know, try and connect with them and spur them on a bit more? Strength. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Every, every player is different, you know, obviously... Yeah. You know, some players just play the game. You know, for me, yeah. it like to to see like a good twenty twenty four thousand fans. You know, when I'm raising my hand, like cheer cheer me on even more. It's it's a, it's a dream come true. You know, because obviously where I've come from, really and truly, I come from playing in front of like three four hundred people. So yeah. differently, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know, I just enjoy it. Yeah, obviously you've got your own song as well, which is one of the best songs we've got. I, w I won't sing it because um, it's <laughs> embarrassing on the radio, but you know the one we mean. That must be great to have uh, have your song just echoing around the ground. Yeah, you know, like when my family come to the stadium and they hear that, or like anyone that hasn't seen me play live, like yeah. out my friends and stuff, and I get the tickets and they come see that, just, they can't believe it, you know. <laughs> It's, it's more them reminding me, you know, because I'm so used to it when I'm <laughs> hearing it a lot of the time, you know, it's them that remind me, like, oh, like this is happening and this is happening, they're singing your name, you know, it makes them feel them feel happy and that's the main thing, you know. Yeah. And I'm happy playing football here, you know, I can't stress <laughs> that fact anymore. And, um, yeah, you also get to play football for uh, Demo Democratic Republic of Congo now. Uh, got a few caps to your name. How have you found that experience? Yeah, the, the experience was a bit was a bit crazy to be fair. You know, I think mm. we played 
when the first match I played was in front of 80,000 odd fans in Congo, that, oh, that atmosphere was, was, was decent as well, you know. <laughs> you know, but like, it's, 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 it's a bit funny, it's like I'm going to play in good, I'm playing in good atmosphere every time now, obviously when I go to Congo and then I'm playing at Celeste, you know, yeah. almost the same, but the Congo, they're really passionate, you know, they have drums and stuff, feels like a party's going on in the stadium or something. <laughs> Like, but saying that, the, um, it's been like that at Celeste this season as well, yeah, so yeah, no true. comparison really. <laughs> Love it. Okay, mate, listen, thank you so much for joining us. We'll, we'll let you go I now. But Chris, really, really do appreciate it, mate. And uh, obviously, good, good luck for the rest of the season. And I'm sure yeah. we'll be celeb- celebrating with you at the end. Nice one. Yeah, cheers. All right, cheers, cheers mate. Thanks, See man. you then. All right, bye. 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 There you go, the marvellous Yannick Bellassi. Hope you enjoyed that. What a quality, quality lad. Uh, ben, did you enjoy that? <laughs> I did, yeah. He called you a legend at the end there, Chris, as well. That's got to gone down well. Yeah, but, you know, like he's used to hearing his song, I'm like, I'm used to hearing that all the time. It just, just Yeah, sure. You obviously listens every week and really yeah. appreciates your views. <laughs> Why are you so, so horrible <laughs> to me? Anyway, um, yeah, hopefully look, hopefully you really enjoyed that. And that, that is the end of the show for today. It's been a, been a long one. Thank you for sticking with us. Hope, you, hope it's great for you as it was for us. That sounded very sinister. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening and for contributing, of course, as well. Uh, we really do love doing this show. We'd really appreciate it if you could tell all your Palace friends about us so we can keep making progress. You know, there's no need to keep us a secret. You can tell everyone about us and, um, and just spread the word of what we're doing. Um, the last few weeks alone, they've seen us team up, seen the, the whole radio team. We've produced hours of free content. We've done interviews with the likes of Steve Browett, Clinton Morrison, Johnny Williams, Adeline Gadiora, Doc Brown, Gillian Balagay, and obviously the interviews today with Steve Parrish and Yannick Bellassi. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our guests and as well as the communications team at Palace, especially the legendary Terry Byfield <laughs> for all their assistance in gaining access to the players and all these interviews and all of our shows are available for download from wholeradio.net and uh, obviously on iTunes if you search Homesdale Radio. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday to bring you our reaction to the Villa game and much, much more. Uh, next week it will be me, Ben, Albert and Nick. Goodbye. the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van, unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.